online. Blessings to you, to your family. Blessings to all. Welcome. Uh, my name is Luis Garcia, pastor of this church. And I'm welcoming you in the name of the Lord to this place that we call church. And that is the communion of the saints, the family of God that meets here at 11 a.m. now to worship God, to learn about God, and then to be sent out and do something about our faith. Amen and amen. God is good. And all the time, God is good. You know, as uh, we begin worship, uh, and I'm, I, I also, in Sunday school, we experience that. It is in our hearts, the fact that, that uh, Israel is already is in, in a turmoil right now. So I would like to remind you about what Psalm 122 says. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And we were talking a little bit about that and, and peace in that sense, in the biblical sense, and that peace for Jerusalem. It doesn't mean that, that Israel defeats everyone, but actually it has good relationships with everyone. I mean, we know the reality of the world, uh, but also we remember uh, that we worship and we honor a God, his son, who was called the Prince of Peace. So meanwhile, uh, in that sense, we pray for peace in Jerusalem, in Israel, in all the area as tensions and violence has arisen. So during our prayer time after sermon, we will pr be praying about this as well. And so, as uh, and for now, as we begin worship, um, this worship time with pray with with these uh, praises, uh, let us worship the Lord. Let's stand as you are able, and we will be led by the uh, our worship team at the cars. Blessings to you. Blessings to all. God is good all the time. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord. How many came to bless the Lord this morning? Come on, let's send up some praises today for he's worthy. Amen. Thank you. Bless the Lord with me. Bless the Lord with me. Bless the Lord with me. Bless. The Lord Come on, let's me. take it up. Come on, let's clap our hands this morning in the sanctuary. Your hands. 
thank you for another opportunity to come into your house to worship you. We ask you to forgive us of all of our sins on this morning. For this is the day that you have made and we will rejoice and be glad in it, Father. We just ask you to lead us and guide us as we come into your house. As we come to worship you and come to hear your word on today, Father, let us be not hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Let it be full and strong in our lives, Father. We thank you for our pastor. Bless him as he brings forth the word. And let us hear and listen attentively. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You deserve the glory and the honor. Lord, we lift our hands to worship as we bless your holy name. You deserve the glory and the honor. Lord, we As we bless your holy name, for you are great, you do miracles so great, there is no one else like you, there is no one else, for you are great, you do miracles so great. No. 
nobody like you oh God and we thank you and we praise your name amen 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 you may be seated God is good all the time all the time there are certain times when you are you're like God is good all the time but this time is God is good because it's close to us it's close to us it's close to us before our Bible reading today, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to share that last uh, Wednesday we began a series of Bible studies via Zoom at 6.30 p.m. Everybody's invited. The, the link and material will be sent via email, and you can pick up the material actually uh, after worship. Um, it is on the information table in the Nartex. And also, I'm glad to inform, to, to, to communicate that the next Sunday, next Sunday, we will have the visit of our district superintendent, Melissa Rooks McKinnon, McKinnon, something, who will be sharing the message with us. And as we are finishing Hispanic Heritage Month, next Sunday, we will have some food after worship. It will be a surprise. 
But uh, please uh, make make plans to to stay um, or bring your your uh, what is that brown bag whatever. Uh, but uh, the idea is for to have some fellowship after worship. Unfortunately, our DS has other commitments. Uh, it's it's um, church um, conference uh, uh, season. So, uh, but so come early to have a little bit of fellowship with her. There will be coffee here. And so, so you are invited for next, uh, next Sunday. All right? All right. So at this time, we will have our Bible reading that today comes from the letter from Paul to the Philippians, chapter 3, uh, verses 4b to 14. And uh, this is uh, the last um, sermon on the cost of discipleship. And so uh, please stand as you are able for the reading of the Word of God. Welcome everyone. Philippians chapter 3, verse 4b until 14. Thank you, Harmony. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Yet whatever, yet whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as lost because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as lost because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from law, from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like, like him in his death, if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. The word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. my way 
of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen and amen. Thank you. Thank you for that testimony. Feels like we can end here. Uh, we'll be okay. But I have something. I have something. <laughs> the game is on, right? You know, while in seminary here in Pasadena, there's a seminary in Pasadena. Uh, yeah, I yeah, know, you know. There was a concept that, that I heard in class, and that was the concept of finishing well our journey of faith. Finishing well our journey of faith. The teacher whose last name was Clinton, no relation to the former president, uh, the teacher developed a great deal of material in the area of Christian leadership. And although I don't know the details, at some point he realized that everything, everything that we do in our Christian journey has to have a happy ending. As we finish our Christian journey, has to have a happy ending. Now, uh, and he meant not just up there, you know, that thanks be to God, because we know we'll be there, but, but right here, as we finish our Christian journey, right here. And that is, in our Christian journey, we should try, we, we should aim, we should want to finish the best way possible. Not a bad idea, right? Uh, one verse that came up often in that class was Second Timothy uh, chapter 4, verse 7. Some of you probably know this by heart. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. That's Apostle Paul. And now we are reading um, from the Apostle Paul in his writing to his favorite church, in Philippi, 
And we learn from chapter one that pastor, a pastor, somebody called it Pastor Paul, remember? (laughs) Apostle Paul, he's writing to his favorite church uh, and, and he's writing, uh, we know this from chapter one of the book, he's writing this letter in prison. In prison. According to scholars, Paul was probably uh, under house arrest in Rome, so it's at the end of his life. But the letter is not a sad letter by any means, it is the exact opposite. It was not only a love letter for a congregation that he loved dearly, but it is a letter of joy. It's a letter of joy. There's at least four to five times, um, you might recall, that Paul calls on the church to rejoice. To rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. Let's say together, rejoice in the Lord. It is a blessing to be in a church where you can see and you can experience this joy, people rejoicing, rejoicing, of course, in worship, but not only in worship, but also after worship, especially in the parking lot, right? But, but also rejoicing, right, even in committee meetings, right, in committee meetings. I won't name any names. Uh, remember, we are there. Uh, I, know, I won't name any names, but I, I was serving a church where, where the people really liked having committee meetings. Uh, I went with the flow, but I thought, you know, guys, there are other ways to have fellowship, right? Um, but anyway, there is nothing like being in a church where people rejoice in the Lord in any situation. Amen. Paul cares so much for the Philippians uh, that, that, that when, when you read the letter and compare it with others, you will find this beautiful connection, uh, this closeness, this trust, friendship, and especially honesty. This is a congregation, this is a church where Paul could open his heart. Very different than, than, than the Galatians. That, that's another sermon, but um, we'll talk about that. But in this case, Paul says things and shares, <clears throat> excuse me, personal experiences that we don't see in all, any other writings. Why? Why? Because as I said, Paul loved them and really trusted them. He wanted for them to be the best in Christ. So as as we have been considering the cause of discipleship, about denying ourselves, taking up the cross, and following Jesus, now we connect with this display of honesty from Paul, as Paul gives a brief account of his religious life. Philippians chapter 3, verse uh, 3, 4, and forward. You can have your Bibles there. You can read it uh, there in your Bibles. He ends this part about his resume, uh, ending with the verse saying, Yet, whatever gains I had of all my curriculum, 
Whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as lost. Lost because of Christ. You know, if you read it, it's quite an impressive resume. Paul was educated and trained to be at the top of the top of his religion. His education was a process that really required not only intelligence, but dedication, a great effort, and especially conviction. Right? Paul has set his mind on being such a leader in the Hebrew world. And when there was a group of people that were following a certain man named Jesus, Paul started persecuting that group. And he, he writes there, you can read it there, as to seal, I mean, to seal for the Hebrew religion, as to seal, I am a persecutor of the church. He thought he was helping God. And then Paul also said, Paul also said, as to righteousness under the law, the law of Moses, blameless. He thought he was pleasing God. And yet Paul writes, yet whatever gains I had in the flesh, these I have come to regard as lost because of Christ. It is as if Paul was saying, brothers and sisters, I was wrong. How many times can we say, I was wrong? Everything I did to please God was done for the wrong reasons. So allow me to give a brief infomercial and then a comment. Last Wednesday, in our new Wednesday evening Bible study at 6.30 p.m., we were looking at the lesson of the Ten Commandments in Exodus uh, chapter 20. After Moses gave the Israelites the commandments uh, and the people were terrified, uh, Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. For God has come only to test you. And to put the fear of him upon you. So that you do not sin. To put the fear of him upon you. So that you do not fear. And the, the comment was. Did it work? Fulfilling the commandments and the law, and the law, putting in people's heart the fear of God. Did it work for the people of Israel? According to Paul, it did not work for him. So, in our journey of faith, as we fight the good fight and try to finish the course well, and keep the faith. We come to realize that living the Christian life, yes, it really requires a great effort from us. And yes, in part involves the study, the prayer, the fellowship, the, the getting up early on Sunday so we can come to Sunday school. I would say even, even, even to go to meetings, right? But as Paul realized after don't 
after having done all, and I mean all the religious thing possible in order to be successful religious leader, in the end he realized, verse 8, Philippians chapter 3, more than that, I regard everything as a loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. At the end, Jesus is the real thing. At the end, Jesus is why we are here. At the end, church is all about Jesus. It's not about me. It's not about you. It is about Jesus. His religious career didn't work. But gaining Christ, gaining Christ is what really works. Amen. For the record, if you feel called to ministry, you will need to go through a process according to the church, and seminary will most likely be required. But that is part of all those who are called and set apart and equipped, uh, and we are accountable uh, to the church, so we need to do our ABCs. Amen. What I mean with that, the cost of being a disciple of Christ is high. In any ministry you do in the church, outside the church, for the church, the cost of discipleship is high. But the entrance to participate in that ministry has been paid by Christ. Amen. So it is Christ in us that makes it happen. In Christ, we realize that there is a life and life in abundance when we follow Jesus. It is Christ in us. It is Christ for us as we accept the payment that Jesus made on our behalf. We realize that despite all we can do, it is what Jesus did that makes it worth it for the cause. That is what Paul is saying. It is Christ for us. It is Christ with us. Emmanuel, God is with us. It is Christ with us that we, as we plan our journey with Christ involved in all our decisions, we can trust that God will guide us. God will guide us. Jehovah Nisi, God is our banner that will guide the way. Amen. It is not because our strength, our intelligence, our skills, although we need to pay the bills and keep the church going, you know what I mean. It is not in our strength or intelligence, but it is in God's strength and promise that we can go on, that we can move, for, move forward. We can go to the next level, however we want to call it, but with Christ in us, Christ for us, and Christ with us, we can go on and move on 
until that day when we graduate from Christian life. Amen. From Christian life. So the fear of the Lord didn't last long for the people of Israel. Paul is saying it is the sacrifice of Jesus that will make us go on. Because that sacrifice is based on a love that never ends. Sometimes uh, as a society and as a church, and I'm talking the church in general, we have put on hold that fear of the Lord, right? And we try to convince ourselves that nothing is going to happen. It really is not as God said it. So, so we put away that fear of the Lord and we go on with our lives. Nothing is going to happen. It really is not as God said. Those were the words the serpent said to Eve in the garden before the fall. Nothing is going to happen. It, is, it really isn't like God said. And you know, those words still work in this society and sometimes in church. We hear those words, nothing is going to happen, and believe them so we can delay or we can put a hold, or we can put a pause in our Christian journey. Hey, you know, this is for later, all right? I'm going to Sunday school next week. Yeah. Instead of continuing, instead of pressing on to what is next. And you may ask, but pastor, what is next? What is next for me or for my church? Well, in part, that must be answered in your own spiritual journey. We can help with that. And it must be answered by all of us together as part of this fellowship of believers as a church. What is next? For us as a congregation. The short answer is. We don't know yet. We don't yet know for sure what will come next. But what I believe and what I can say is that. In both instances personal and as a fellowship of believers. What is next in the Lord should be something better. It will be something better. Whatever the good Lord or wherever the good Lord takes us, it will be better in the name of the Lord. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? And let me tell you one thing. We all know we are aware that when we talk about the future of our church, the future of ourselves, when we talk about plans for the future, we always take into consideration the current situation of our congregation, the current situation of our denomination, God bless us. Uh, and also, we, we take into account the, 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 the situation, the context in the community and the context in the world that is in turmoil. And also, among many other factors, we consider the burdens 
of life. Health issues, finances, life in general. We live in a physical world. We need to take care of our families and ourselves. And speaking for myself, speaking for myself, I'm not getting any younger. So come, so how come I can say that what is next in the Lord should be better or that it will be better? Well, what I can say is that God has proven himself. In the testimonies of the Bible, in the testimony of Paul, in the testimony of people of faith that have preceded us, and in the testimony of people that we have seen growing in the faith and will continue the work that God has given to his church, I can say that God has proven himself. The Apostle Paul believed that. The Apostle Paul practiced that. And it is in faith that Apostle Paul realized that all he was and all he did, he considered the very least he could do in exchange for what God offered to him in Christ Jesus. Because as he is writing those words in prison, not knowing when, but my guess, suspecting that he might be at the end of his life, he still had the heart and he still had the faith to write this. Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on. I press on. And the meaning of this word in the original language is I'm going to go with my whole strength. And in the context of these words, it says, I'm going to go with my whole strength because I know that it is the Lord that is taking me to this place that I don't know what, I don't know where, I don't know when, but I am pressing on. I am pressing on. He said it in different words, so it is clear, beloved. And remember, beloved, I don't consider that I have made it already. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. As in your Bibles, you can read it, you can highlight it. I press on towards the goal. I press on towards the goal for the price of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul was convinced that he was okay regarding up there, right? That, that thing was ready. But he also was convinced that during whatever life he had left on this planet, 
He had the faith. He had the strength from the Lord to go on, to move on, to press on. And that is my prayer for you and for me. That the testimony of faith of Paul can bring us the strength, the assurance, and the hope that in God, the future, whatever it brings, in God, the future for us and for this congregation of Pacoima First will be better, will be better for the glory of God the Father. Amen and amen, amen, amen.
We have been together as pastor and congregation for three months, eight days, and about 12 hours. <laughs> Who's counting right? But I feel as going on. Yes, yes, yes. During this time of preaching and teaching, I have been sharing from the vision of, of this church what it takes uh, to be a disciple of Christ. It's not easy, but it's fun. It is great. And now we know that the Lord is our strength. The Lord is our strength. It is a big responsibility to be follower of Christ, to be disciple of Christ. But it's also a great blessing to carry on the mission of this church into the future. So as we, in the words of Apostle Paul, as we are straining forward to what lies ahead, whatever it is, we press on. On toward the goal that God has set for us. And may God bless the intentions of our hearts. Would you pray with me? Dear God, we would like to be transformed people. But sometimes our pride prevents us from bending a knee to you. We long to stand with those who are in need, but our selfishness keeps our backs right in judgment. Forgive us, humble us, that we might be through servants to the broken and the lost and have compassion as you did it. There is nothing we can offer that, that can pay for what you have done through your son, Jesus. And we know that you are asking for our heart to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, and to follow you. As your word says, you will make it happen. You will work in us, within us, and for us. So help us, O oh God. Help us to believe it is possible. Help us, O oh God. We want to be like clay in the hands of the potter. To be shaped according to your great love and mercy. To endure the times of trial but also to enjoy the life that you have given to us. And during that journey, to celebrate and rejoice as we take care of your flock and bring new people to your kingdom. Today we are reminded of the need to pray for peace in Jerusalem. So we pray for peace in that important part of the world. We pray for leaders to come to peaceful agreements. We pray for protection, especially on the innocent. 
In the same way, we pray for all those forgotten places where war and terror are tearing apart their nations, those who are not in the news these days. But terrible things still happen there. Lord, in your mercy, we pray. We also uh, pray for the people of Afghanistan. As the people in Morocco still dealing with issues because of the earthquake, now it is Afghanistan, and we pray for them, God. Bring resources, bring help to them. Lord, in your mercy. As for us, fill our minds with the presence of your Holy Spirit, that we might learn how to follow Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, into that kingdom of grace, of peace, and hope. In Jesus' glorious name we pray, and your children say together, Amen and Amen. Praise be to God. At this time we come um, to this uh, time of worship when we praise the Lord, we worship the Lord with our offerings, our tithes. I will like to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Amen. So let us receive the offering for today. pray generous and giving God you have offered us a deep and soul satisfying relationship with you now as we offer our gifts this day may we better receive the relationship you offer us and bring it also to other people close and far we pray for the people in charge of administrating these resources so they can be multiplied and transformed into acts of kindness that give testimony of your great love, of your grace. In Christ's holy name we pray, amen and amen. Thank you. Now again, uh, he who did not spare his own son, that is God, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with Christ, graciously give us all things, all things to follow him? Please stand as you are able to receive the benediction so as we are enduring the journey, as we are pressing on for what is next, may the peace of God, the love of the Son, and the power of the Holy Spirit 
be with you, with your families this week and forever. Amen and amen. Blessings to you. Blessings to all. And let the people of God say. Oh.